Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This morning we have we have a particularly interesting and on, an honour to have a guest in the form of Professor Jeremy Seekings, who is a professor of politics and sociology at the University of Cape Town and acting director of UCT's Institute for Democracy, Citizenship and Public Policy in Africa. What I really want to discuss this morning, uh, Professor Seeking, is the articles you co-wrote regarding the party report on the governance of UCT post the less than, or shall we say, somewhat acrimonious departure of the Vice-Chancellor, uh, Mamakreti Pakeng, earlier this year. It was a four-person panel headed up by uh, retired Judge, judge Lexham Party. And it's an extraordinary, extraordinary report as far as, as far as I can see. And what I'd really like to get from you and from what you raised in your articles is essentially to start with what the essential finding was of the report into the governance of UCT. The Imparti panel was really set up with some two purposes to my mind. And the first was to investigate some very specific activities and the conducts of the university's vice chancellor and the chair of council. But that, that in a sense, that part of their brief uh, was then amended uh, when the vice chancellor left university and the terms of reference were revised. The panel couldn't actually come up with strong recommendations or findings about her conduct specifically. Mm-hmm. The second part of the panel, which I think is probably in really much more important, and I think the panel recognised this was much more important, was to really see uh, w- what were the lessons for governance of a university or uh, uh, any public institution, I suppose, uh, which arose from this crisis. Because clearly the fact that a crisis had had grown, uh, had, had, uh, had not been resolved over a period of years and had then really sort of exploded suggested there had been governance failures uh, over an extended period of time. So the real importance, I think, of the uh, or, or the crucial importance of the panel's report is in shedding light on some of the governance failures at the university. Can I ask what, you, what the report identified as some of those failures, uh, the, those governance failures, the, uh, the areas you particularly uh, were concerned about in, in your articles? So the the well the the, the the party panel's report focuses very much on the failure of the university council uh, to provide ad, adequate oversight of the of the university and ultimately under the the, the statute that that, that uh, regulates the governance university uh, the council is ultimately responsible and the council uh, councils of South African universities comprise approximately. Half, half of the members are external, a bit more than half perhaps, and, and, and half are sort of representing different internal, um, what we might call constituencies. Mm-hmm. And it's the council which is really, uh, responsible for oversight. Mm-hmm. And the Imparti panel is very clear that in, in, at, at many points, uh, council and successive chairs of council had failed in their responsibilities to ensure good governance university. And they'd failed because they'd really failed to tackle the problem of a, of a vice-chancellor uh, who had some very, very major flaws. Mm. Uh, now, the vice-chancellor, before our former vice-chancellor, had, you know, had some extraordinary skills as well. Um, in some respects, she's an extraordinarily impressive uh, uh, person and is an extremely effective vice-chancellor. But she had also some very, very, very serious um, and, and I think with hindsight fatal 
fatal flaws, uh, one of which was uh, that she was really she really struggled to um, uh, to operate in a, in a senior leadership team mm-hmm. um, and was uh, and had very acrimonious relations with uh, her, her senior colleagues. And, uh, and and that was really uh, uh, that had terrible effects on the government, on the administration of the university. Um, so the council uh, really should have actually stepped in much more effectively at many points, uh, according to the Imparti panel. Even uh, uh, the Imparti panel suggests uh, she, it was probably incorrect to have appointed her in the first place in 2018, given that the council was then aware of some of these uh, 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 flaws and the the remedies the council put in place at the time of her appointment with hindsight proved inadequate and the party panel thinks actually uh, well implies I think that really uh, uh, it was a mistake to have appointed her in the first place because those remedies were never going to be successful. So the real focus is on the governance university by the, by, by the council. Now one of the papers I co-authored with Nicky Natras is focusing on some of the other governance failures within the university. Because I, I don't think that it's fair to say that council alone was responsible for for the crisis. Um, there were there were other uh, uh, other governance failures internal to university. One of those being that uh, uh, the, the 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 debacle the crisis that was occurring and behind the scenes was really uh, never. Uh, discussed in or reported to any of the university's own internal institutions mm-hmm. that are involved in governance. Most obviously the Senate, uh, uh, which is responsible for academic matters, uh, teaching and research and or the institutional forum. So, so I think that there were, that, you know, uh, I'm quite critical uh, of the party panel in one respect that I think that they could have actually they could have actually discussed uh, some of the governance failures more widely, not only the council, although they're clearly quite right to say the council is was the, the institution that primarily uh, uh, failed to perform its uh, uh, governance responsibilities. It appears the, the real flaw was um, her racialization and essentially her racism in, in dealing with her colleagues, uh, her subordinates, etc. And Presumably, because uh, I see that in, in a second year uh, in office, she was sort of counseled on, on toning this down, which uh, is an absolutely extraordinary thing. But it suggests that it very likely was part of what made her possibly not worthy of the position in the first place. So what was it that, that made that in eventually sort of the council and the chair in uh, Dr. Mitiana choose her because there were clearly misgivings, as you said, right from the, right from the word go. What was the atmosphere that, that sort of allowed that or sort of encouraged that to happen, if I can put it that way? Uh, you'd have to you'd have to ask the then chair of council. I think we can we can see that something's clear. Malcheti Pakeng was appointed in 2018 uh, after university. Cape Town and many South universities have been through several years of, of crisis because of uh, the fallest uh, student-led protests, and uh, and it was quite clear, I think, that uh, um, that having a having a vice chancellor at the university who, who in South African terms would be considered white was possibly a dis- disadvantage when it came to actually resolving uh, uh, grievances that fallest students raised and their protests, uh, their subsequent protests. 
So uh, you know, I think the university was very keen to appoint a a, a vice chancellor who, in a broad sense of the term, was black. And uh, and unfortunately, I think that the with hindsight we can see that Mamacheti Peking uh, was 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 not the right person for the job. And um, whether that were, whether that was really clear at the time, I'm not sure. Because her her really fatal flaw, I think, is that she really didn't understand the racial if you like, uh, the politics of the Western Cape. Mm. Um, mm. I mean, the Western Cape is not, uh, is, does not have the same, the, the society of Cape Town, society of Western Cape is not the same as, as in all other parts of South Africa. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, crucially, she really didn't understand, she wasn't sensitive to the, in a sense, the uh, uh, identities, beliefs, the perceptions of the majority of the Cape Town, Western Cape population who in, in the past, or what it now would be labelled as coloured, and that's a huge problem. I think she was also uh, uh, not particularly sympathetic to the position of scholars from other parts of Africa. So, for both, we know from the party panel, she on several occasions would tell senior colleagues that they weren't black enough, and and the instances the party panel refers to are instances where she is is demeaning, if you like people who she would consider an apartheid state would consider coloured, but who themselves self-identified as black. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying to uh, uh, some of these, her senior colleagues, what she said was really uh, was really uh, brutally insensitive and totally inappropriate to the University of the Western Cape. So I, I think she didn't really understand uh, the, the sensitivities of being a vice chancellor at a university in the Western Cape. Now, maybe these problems would have risen in universities elsewhere in the country, but in the Western Cape, it's a really, really serious, uh, obviously a very, very serious problem. Um, you know, is how do we understand black and how do we understand, you know, the dynamics of transformation very well in the Western Cape, uh, that people classified as coloured under apartheid suffered huge disadvantages and suffered enormous discrimination. Um, and one doesn't want to belittle that at all. That is actually quite extraordinary. And I think my sense of it is the, 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 the essence of, of her insensitivity and let's call it racism was that I think it probably would have, it, it would, it could have shown in any environment. It was just aggravated by her, let's say naivety or lack of understanding of the, of where she, as you say, where she was and the fact that a fair number of her colleagues were coloured. But some of the comments were really quite astonishing. I mean, the quoted as saying, you know, as you alluded to, that she, she was the only, she's at some point said she was the only real black person in the executive team and um, people were not black because they, quite, uh, it sounds extraordinary, because they did not have her hair and appearance and even smell and taste. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a sign of, a, of, 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 let's say, a very, very serious flaw in personality, in, particularly in an environment coming, as you say, out of the fallist era. You know, I have a little bit of skin in that game in the sense that my son did his undergrad there from 2015 to 2017. So we were, as a, from a personal point of view, we were fairly aware of all the ructions that, uh, that that involved. She seems to have been supported by Pajana's successor as, uh, as, as, as chancellor in, in, in the, in the form of, uh, Babalwan Gonyama. That appears to have been like a, a toxic combination in the circumstances. As I said earlier, Katie Bakeng has got some enormous, uh, skills and qualities. Um, you know, uh, just not the, not the full set yeah. of, of qualities you would regard as necessary for a successful vice chancellor. Babawa Ngunyama, who became, uh, chair of council in, in 2020, also has, you know, extraordinary qualities. You know, and I, I think, you know, in a sense, 
my reading is that is that uh, Obawa and Gunyama was was really uh, in, in a sense a victim of a situation mm. where she thought she could manage uh, the problems of the university much more easily and successfully than was the case, and and she ended up in quite deep water because she she was unable to to, to manage the problems. Mm. Um, it's important to remember that the crisis began uh, really very early on in in Katie Baking's tenure as, as vice chancellor in 2018, but really deepened in uh, 2020, which was, of course, the era of COVID and lockdowns, and uh, a lot of the university, or almost all university business went online. And I think that um, uh, it, you know, had, uh, had there been no COVID and no lockdown, it's possible that many of these uh, problems would have been resolved more easily. Um, I mean, I think online meetings are not conducive to uh, to problem solving uh, and reconciliation, if you like, <laughs> um, same way as face-to-face meetings. And my understanding is is that when uh, Babawa and Gunyama became chair of council, that most of the meetings of council were online, and 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 I'm pretty I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that that uh, uh, hindered. Uh, probably attempts to really uh, uh, hinder effective government. I mean, I, I, my 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 understanding of it would have been that you have the complexity. The complexity in a university level is you have an enormous number of high level, um, highly high, highly uh, intellectual people operating together. So you've got a, a much theoretically a, a flatter structure in some ways than your ordinary your ordinary corporation. And that's on your administrative side. On the added to that is the element of the Senate and looking into academic matters. And so the two combination of the two suggested a, a huge level of complexity. And you, you really need to be, have a certain set of skills to manage all that. Um, but one of the things I found interesting because it's, it, it, it suggests a much wider problem worldwide. And that is the, 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 the disintegration or the absence of collegiality in the way in which university relations were conducted and, and management. That's right. Um, and, and, and these are global problems. I mean, if you read the, you know, the, 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 the professional sort of industry media journals concerned with, with higher education in, in the rest of the world, you know, the universities across the world are, are plagued by many of these problems. Um, and, and, and problems of collegiality clearly, clearly got worse under COVID. Uh, but there's a longer trend, um, and you know I, I, I've argued in the past that the trend is uh, in in many universities in South Africa and elsewhere uh, is towards um, a more managerialist approach, mm. uh, uh, which is which is rather a very different model to the sort of historical model of universities being run by academics. Now, there's many I, I know from my own personal experience. There's many aspects of of university management administration that you do not want academics to run. Um, Indeed, sure. <laughs> you want you want you want people with professional managerial experience doing doing it, and it's a much better job. But um, uh, at the end of the day, you you, you know you need to, you need to ask you know, what kind of people do you really want uh, in the in the in the driving seat mm-hmm. um, and. With universities, we're accustomed to thinking that, uh, that, uh, vice chancellors 
to generally come from academic backgrounds, which I think is quite right. Mm. Um, but of course, there are many members of council who do not necessarily come from academic backgrounds. Many of them or most of them bring real skills with them. I mean, from business and so on. But there's always a danger that they're going to actually approach the governance university from the kind of, uh, with the kind of managerial style appropriate to corporate institutions, mm-hmm. business and so on, more than a university. And I think that's probably, uh, uh, been the case in, in, in a number of South African universities, including the University of Cape Town, mm-hmm. where, um, in a sense, the, uh, there's, there's been a shift too far in the direction of corporate style managerialism um, and the weakening of the kind of the more traditional academic uh, uh, approach to things. Getting that balance right is, is enormously difficult um, and I'm, I'm very glad that I'm not a vice-chancellor and I'm not a, uh, and I'm not a, 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 a chair of council responsible for keeping the ship afloat. Mm. Uh, but from the outside, uh, I think it's quite, it's quite easy to see that the balance, we haven't got the balance quite right probably at any staff university, certainly not the University of Cape Town. How do you how do you really divide up responsibilities and powers and influences and authority between uh, between you know, the, the the academics who are who are the core of the teaching and research on the one hand and managers on the other? It seems to me like you know the old adage of herding cats writ large. It's 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 it would be it's a nightmare situation because the one thing that makes business run in its comparative simplicity is that you do have a person at the top, the person at the top um, uh, sort of creates the atmosphere for what happens below, who is impo- who is employed below, who advises, who fills the gaps, the skills gaps. Um, and that person goes pretty quickly if they, if things don't go well. Um, what? That's, that's see, exactly right. And, yeah. and, and of course that is, I mean, universities, um, and many other similar sort of institutions, hospitals, I imagine, are very similar, uh, where, where, you know, if you really want you know, the institution to perform well, you have to motivate, you know, the academics, the doctors or whatever to, to really go the extra mile, right? Uh, cause you can't specify really the, the job description, sure. you know, in, neatly. You can't simply measure it in terms of productivity, although, Universities try, sure hospitals as well. Really, you you need to have a, you need to have you know the academics, the doctors, whoever, really having a, a sense of professionalism and a commitment to the project. You know that that you know like with teachers and schools, you want them to actually to be really committed to to educating. Uh, in our case, doing research, hospitals, um, uh, treating people's health, uh, uh, and really really putting effort into it. And and and, and morale is therefore very important. Um, and I think the party panel uh, points to this at several points that saying that you know, one of the one of the problems of the leadership crisis for the university, compounded I think because of the whole context of COVID and lockdowns, uh, was a a real erosion of morale, um, and and that is that is very bad for for university. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I think that's quite clear. I mean, the University of Cape Town Academics Union. Has been very, very became very critical of of of, of the the leadership uh, and the vice chancellor, chair of council um, in 2022 especially, and I think that was really motivated by a, an awareness within the academic union that there really is a there was a crisis of morale within the university stemming from this leadership crisis. 
Well, that's essentially the product. You are the product um, that provides the service that makes the university's name. And and UCT's always been up there. It's always been in, in, in the world rankings in that regard. Um, what is your sense about, from a point of view of going forward, with regard to the various role players that would that are required to monitor and be alert to uh, what's working, what's not working, and really overseeing the uh, the vice chancellor and her team, because it's 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 those governance structures that keep that, that, that succeed or fail, and and all the consequences arise from that. No, dif- not a, not different in 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 the corporate sector in the sense of the, your board of directors, your your, your CEO, however uh, however big a character that person might be, is answerable, and it's that answerable, it's that accountability. Um, that uh, that appears to really have 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 slipped over this period and and has to be got back. Any sense of sort of people? Well, I, I have response to that. I have I have colleagues who are who are um, uh, forever pessimistic uh, about the decline of the university. Um, I, I don't share that pessimism. Um, I look at what happened at the University of Cape Town uh, and. And I think, you know, that there's, there's real signs of, there's really encouraging signs. Mm. I mean, in the end, the university proved, uh, resilient. Mm. Um, that there was, it said there were rebellions within council to hold the chair of council to account, mm. um, and, and then the vice chancellor. And there were rebellions within senate, uh, and within other parts of the university to, to say, you know, this is, this is just simply not satisfactory. Mm. And those rebellions, uh, uh, you know, were, were, were not easily, I mean, it was not easy to rebel, um, because with universities, as within many other parts of South African society, many other institutions, you know, there is that people are fearful. They don't want to be, uh, they don't want to be targeted. They don't want to become the victims of possibly racialized slander slurs. Right, so you know that you know rebelling is is not straightforward, but there were rebellions, and mm. ultimately the rebellions have been successful. Mm. And the Party panel has done an extraordinarily good and brave job in in bringing to public light many of the things that were lurking in the background that we suspected, but we didn't really weren't weren't really in the public domain and 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 uh, uh, fully. So uh, I see the university as being quite resilient, mm-hmm. right, and and I, I think that you know there's 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 lessons here for for other public institutions. You know we we need to we need to protect whistleblowers. Uh, the primary whistleblower at the University of Cape Town all the way back in 2020 was our our ombud, uh, who very bravely um, uh, stood up to the vice chancellor, yeah. um, and and she was the victim of 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 slurs and you know and and and. She, she said, you know, don't, don't, um, just because the ombud, ombud said, just because I'm a black woman doesn't mean I'm not going to criticize you if you're a black woman. That's for my job is to call out, call out what I see as, as misconduct and, and, uh, and, and I'm going to call out misconduct out wherever I see it. Very brave. Uh, and unfortunately she wasn't actually heeded at the time as the panel and party panel has now documented. So there, there people have, 
um, have uh, been calling, call, some risks themselves, uh, uh, been, been criticizing uh, the state of affairs. And, and now we can see that in a sense that's, that's got some kind of, in a sense, sanction and momentum because of the party panel report. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, there's lessons here for other institutions. Um, you really, you've got to protect whistleblowers. More importantly, you've got to actually defend uh, all of the checks and balances within public institutions. Uh, you don't want to rely upon a, a whistleblower to blow the whistle at the very end of the line. You want all of the other institutions to be much more active. Right? Okay. And uh, and that means that for an institution like a council at, at university, they need to be much more aware of their responsibilities, uh, their legal responsibilities. And the party panel is very clear about that, yeah. that you know, the, count, the members of council need to be much more aware of their responsibilities in the same way, I think, as as the directors of a, of a com- private company would be. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's very important. But we've also got to make sure that we have a, uh, uh, an atmosphere in which, uh, a, in which uh, we can, in a constructive, collegial, and preferably respectful way, yeah. um, engage with many of these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think at the University of Cape Town, many of these uh, issues have not been um, discussed Respectfully enough, and I'm, 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 I'm probably as guilty of that as anyone else, right? Because things got, things, a crisis brewed up, uh, much more severe and, uh, uh, than it should have done. An earlier stage, yeah, you need to, you need to foster, uh, open discussion and, and deliberation. Uh, and we need to be able to talk about things that we don't talk about comfortably. And one of those things in university as in the country as a whole is race. Um, we need to have a much more uh, honest and open discussion about race and about redress, uh, and we need to make we need to have space to be critical uh, uh, and, and not just simply have a line which is uh, which is policed um, and uh, and anyone who deviates from it is punished. Um, uh, this is something which many public institutions need to do, and universities, which are supposed to be institutions of debate and deliberation, really do need to be institutions of debate and deliberation and discuss these incredibly important things. Uh, uh, absolutely. Just one final question, if I may quickly. There's been a pushback from, led by, by all accounts, but who knows, by MPs uh, on the report, who are very unhappy with the, with the report, and there seem to be some, uh, um, University uh, students, some some academics who who are, are also critical. I, I'm sort of struggling a little bit to get my head around it because the panel really was a it was a four person panel of, of extraordinary integrity, apparent integrity and quality. Um, is that do you think that's likely to get anywhere, or, or is it is it basically opposition that will will fade given the substance and and uh, and uh, the detail that went into the report. Yes, I think I think it's going to be hard to uh, to. to I mean, there, well, there's two issues here. I think one is um, who is responsible, right? and 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 really, there the, the critics I think are 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 are, are, are really trying to turn the spotlight onto council mm. um, first and foremost. Um, and I think I, I don't I don't think that's entirely fair, but that's a discussion that that should be had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other issue is the conduct of the of particular individuals, and I and I really don't see how, given the evidence in the party panel's report, I don't see how uh, anyone's going to be able to mount a really serious defence of of 
the conduct of our former vice chancellor or probably even the chair of former chair of council. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I think it's, it, I welcome a discussion about governance and so on. Uh, uh, I think that'd be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this criticism is to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, there are, there's people with interests at stake here. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think it's, it's, it, the former vice chancellor, uh, allied herself, uh, increasingly over time with particular interests and particular sort of, in a sense, factions within the university. And it's not surprising and outside the university, it's not surprising that there, there's a pushback. Mm. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is, I don't think this, the, the, the criticisms are simply going to go away. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure that uh, Katie Packing will will promote her views and her position and uh, energetically in 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 future, um, and and many people will support her. Uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful that the discussion can can be more around the important issues of, of governance and accountability, right, and rather less around. For UCT to come to to come out of this is of huge importance for the rest of us. So I appreciate very much your 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 coming on air with with me and to talk about this because we don't actually talk about um, debate, discussion, freedom of speech all that often, ironically. And uh, whatever helps to make that difference is greatly appreciated. So thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. My pleasure. And I'm going to have to go. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to ask, it sounds like a, an English accent. I've lived in, I've been in Cape Town for 30 years, but, um, I am by originally English. So is my mother. So the, the, thanks, Professor Ziggins. Enjoy the rest of your, your, your Thank trip. You. Thank you very much.